0: Hello, I'm Chris Abbott from C64Audio.com, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. And also, I'm Thing on the Spring, and I approve of this message. Hey, everyone, it's the Scene World Podcast. My name's AJ, that's Jurg over there. Hello, fans. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, In a minute, uh, we are talking to... Hilaria Poyan. Poyan? Exactly. Yes. Yes.
1: And she is known for being a composer on the Master System and Game Gear, which is unique because and, there are not many Master System composers.
0: Yeah, though though she also has dabbled in, in, in Genesis and C64 and other stuff, although she prefers the Master System. Exactly. So that is a... Uh, cool interview that'll be coming up shortly before that we have and we're and we're in doing audio again this is this feels weird because i'm so used to doing video podcasts lately but yeah but
1: anyway perhaps you can still see the video version on youtube with without seeing our faces yes yes just something we may make up anyway i don't have much news today because we had so many last time but well the shin game from yeah. Min Becker actually got an update, well, either on Steam or on Android, mm-hmm. depending on what platform you use, and it's coming with a new expansion pack
0: with yes, new indeed.
1: level pack. I, I would say new world. Yeah, it's supposed to be harder, but. For me, it feels easier for some reason (laughs)
0: um,
1: because of the sheeps, I guess. Yeah. Um, That will be the only spoiler to tell you. Um, The other news is that the spiritual um, successor of Outrun called Slipstream, which we reported about like six years ago, Mm -hmm. um, that originally was a Kickstarter Actually announced to come on consoles soon though. It's making the next step okay, which cool. is nice to see um, and um, A game from a single Brazilian developer To be so successful to make the jump to the next-gen Consoles. Yeah, so that's, that's nice. That's nice um, and Last but not least, the third news is that Intellivision released an unboxing of the Paul version of the Amico. I, I saw before this. For shipping it to Hans Ippisch. Yes,
0: I, I saw this. It was interesting because it was all over uh, the social media for Intellivision, posted by just random people that were fans. But the box, the unboxing was actually by Intellivision. Exactly. So, uh, yeah.
1: Well, it's not how you usually do an unboxing. It is, it is not. It is not yeah, normally yeah. how you do it. Yeah. But in television, never does things the way you are supposed to do it, um, which
0: we learned when we interviewed uh, Hans Ippisch and Tom Del Rico. Yes, yes. Anyway. And then did you say that they sent that to, to Hans after they unboxed it? The same unit? That's the
1: first sentence in the unboxing, actually.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. That's not
1: hearsay. It's actually what it's said in the unboxing
0: video. Okay. Yeah. Right. So
1: it's unique in its way that the HQ is America, and they're making an unboxing of the European version. Like, hooray. Which <laughs> also means... That it's the same unit, so obviously it has um, a multi-frequency power supply. Yeah. But otherwise it wouldn't make sense, right?
0: Are they making the same? They're not making a, a, a NTSC Impel unit?
1: Oh, I mean, definitely you have to because the HDMI is different right, right. in both regions. That's what I'm saying. But, but um, perhaps you can switch it. Like the mini, like the C sixty four mini, and perhaps it's a multi frequency power supply. Oh,
0: interesting. interesting. I
1: mean, I mean, uh, I mean, for example, most device in Brazil are this way because Brazil has both right. one hundred ten volts and uh, sixty hertz and 20... 20 uh, well and. 220,
0: uh, 50 hearts, so... Right, right. Have and, you heard, speaking of, of, of switching like that, yeah. have you heard of the uh, the VIC-2 Kawari? Never. Uh, this is a project which is currently on hold because of d- supply shortages and whatnot. Um, hmm. It's a hardware project. It's a hardware replacement for the VIC-2 chip for the 64. Um, it's a little PCB uh, nice. with an FPGA Um, that, that just pops into the socket of, of, you know, your C64, any, any board, you know, short board, long board, whatever you can, um, you can, you can configure which chip it, um, which chip it, it emulates, so um, you
1: can make you can make a Pratt box unit without yeah. the
0: color pleading. Right, like, exactly, yes. Nice, yes. The, nice.
1: There's,
0: there's no VSP bug. It's got a configurable color palette for an 18-bit well, color space. The,
1: the, this bug actually is, is used by, by games like Mayhem and Monsterland. Yeah, uh-huh. right. So actually it's good to have this right. bug.
0: But <laughs> it also, it can software switch between NTSC and PAL, and can and there's also a hardware switch for NTSC PAL switching at, when you do a cold boot. Ooh! So I think with that you don't actually need like the clock circuit because this takes over that as well. You don't need that anyway. Right, right, and then
1: because because the um because you can get it you can get it uh, uh IC based. Right. I actually actually did that. You remember? Mm-hmm. I used. I used um, the ICs from right. Jens Schoenfeld, right, yeah, from Individual yeah. Computers
0: uh-huh.
1: and made made a hybrid a hybrid.
0: Yeah, right. In a
1: way that that I have I have an NTSC pred bin running on uh, t- 220 volts.
0: Right, and 50 hertz. Right. Yeah, and it also which,
1: which makes some games crash that mm-hmm. rely on the uh, RTC.
0: Right.
1: But most games broke. Yeah, but
0: there's also you know it also comes with uh there's the an 80 column mode and some new graphics modes and the last thing that I saw um they had uh they had developed a Novaterm 80 column driver for the for the you know Novaterm terminal program for the C64 so instead of the soft 80 you'd actually have like like 80 column like you'd have on a 128. Nice, which is pretty pretty awesome. Like if there's there's a YouTube channel where they where they show it, um and like they have, it really like they they do have um the ability to like there are new graphics modes and the ability to pick from a much higher palette, and and do all this stuff. So it's really actually pretty cool. But again, it's it, there's a Patreon you can donate, um, but it is. It is um, on hold, and it is still in the prototype phase, and I don't believe that he was talking about... He, there was some question about whether he was actually going to make this available for mass sale, or whether he's just going to put the schematics out for people to make themselves. So, but but it is a thing. We'll put a link in the description to where people can check it out. Um, it looks pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that just, what you mentioned, you know, when we were talking about swapping between PAL and NTSC, that just reminded me of the fact that that, that chip will allow you to swap your machine between PAL and awesome. NTSC on the fly. Awesome. awesome, Without any other hardware or anything like that, you know, everything, you know, the music slows down or speeds up or whatever, everything changes and it's, you can do it right in the middle of a game It's or a demo or whatever. It's actually pretty, pretty awesome.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess it's my turn to do some news. Uh, well, you already started. I got mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's an Amiga game, uh, called Citadel that was released in 1995. Um, and, um, the original developers of this game have, uh, released an updated. Um, they refer to it as a remonstered edition. Um, <laughs> in. 2022 and the reason the reason for the remaster is is for the a500 mini but um and 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 it's included in the a500 mini's bonus usb games pack of which currently this is the only game in it but um you can you can download it um and it'll also work on a variety of regular amigas uh from the a500 all the way to the 4000 um Nice. The one caveat is that you need a WDH load installed in order to use it, because it makes full use of that. But otherwise, um, it's available um, on their website, and you can download it for free. Um, so that's that's there. And um, the last bit of news, and it, it is, it's like a Doom clone. It's a it's a it's an Amiga Doom. Kind of game, which you know, they tried to do that quite a bit in the early '90s because Doom was the thing.
1: Yeah, but what you forget actually is that in its later years, the Amiga, and you never tell about that, but the Amiga actually received their official
0: yes, they did Doom yes they conversion
1: did. later on.
0: Yeah, well, that's because they they released the source for Doom, so lots of machines got it. But the, the problem with the with the Amiga at the time was that the Amiga was not was not suited for that kind of gameplay. The, the Amiga was built for platform games mostly. That's that's kind of what it was designed for. Uh, and that's and the, and then the FPS came along and really kind of shook things up. And the Amiga just wasn't wasn't made for it. But I guess the Amiga
1: version plays quite good.
0: You need it? a pretty Pretty, t- pretty strong Amiga to play mm. Doom. Uh, like your 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 bog standard A500 or A600 or even an A1200 is not gonna be able to play Doom in anything more than like a post stamp sized window. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, but but on a, on a decently equipped machine, yeah, it can. And it also helps to have extra graphics and stuff. You know, you know, like to make graphics cards for the Amiga, that helps. um uh, and my final bit of news is kind of sad um, is a retro computer museum in Mariupol, Ukraine uh, beloved by children was attacked by Russia during the current uh, war. Uh, well, the museum okay. is called IT8Bit. Um, um, it, it held over 120 examples of computer and game technology from the last century um it was estimated that about 1500 people visited the free museum every year before it had to close during the pandemic um and the building that housed the museum uh like like a lot of other like a lot of other buildings in the in the city was bombed on march 15th and he um um dmitri chirpanov or chirpanov the guy who runs it um he believes that any of the machines that weren't destroyed by the bombing were likely just looted because of the the situation um hmm. he does plan to keep um, the website, the museum's website, going, and he is currently doing a podcast about retro computers um, called Radio It Eight Bit.
1: So, hmm. but
0: it's probably in Ukrainian
1: rather than English.
0: Uh, you never know. Um, I, I, you know, it, it it could be either or. Um, the uh, yeah, the the website is is in. Ukrainian, but um, ah,
1: where did you get the news piece then from?
0: Uh, I just saw it. It was just a piece of news that that popped up in my newsfeed, and it shows the guy. Um, it, it the, the it was an NPR, the the uh, the the article I got it from was by it was on NPR. Um, NPR. Doesn't, yes. Doesn't ring a bell for me. NPR. It's, NPR, it's, yeah, it's uh, National Public Radio, I believe.
1: Ah, okay. So uh,
0: nothing really retro specific. Right? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but you know, it's got a picture of 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 the guy that runs it. You know, standing mm. there with a with an Amiga twelve hundred, and that caught my caught my eye. I was like, oh, this is mm. this is Commodore stuff too. And there's a picture yeah. of kids playing. There's a C sixty four uh an atari 800 xl a uh, couple other things you know so i mean it's yeah it did have at the machines that we that we not not random soviet machines that we'd never heard of but like stuff that you know real stuff and and yeah, yeah. it's a shame it's a real shame that 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 it was... Oh, we'll put a link to the the NPR article as well as a link to the um, podcast and the IT uh, 8-Bit Museum website. Um,
1: well, cultural things are always getting destroyed in a war, and that's like the yeah. super sad thing, you know, because it's unrecoverable stuff.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, often... Often it's you know paintings or or just you know historical things, but it's it, this is probably the first time that it's like you know you know like like stuff that we have you you know like like you know C sixty fours and things that... Well, I guess it's not the first time, but the first time we hear about it. Right. Yes. Yes. So again, we we, we put our uh, you know we we put our support with the Ukraine, and we hope that this ends quickly. And that, you know, Russia stops doing their nonsense. But, I don't know. Well, it's
1: not the country of Russia. It's one person, actually. Yes.
0: Yes, Which is is something we should
1: stress. Because... Oh, yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, obviously, the the people of Russia
0: are not to blame for any of this. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And that is... is, um, I mean, there is this this Russian YouTuber called Roman by the channel No yeah uh-huh. and he is talking about that constantly because he moved now to um, um, Georgia
0: mm-hmm.
1: to escape. Yeah, um, and he he said that some he gets a lot of comments and messages of people. Um, blaming him and stuff, and like acting like he could stop the war single handedly, which of I mean, course one person it is. One, a, yeah, I mean, you it.
0: see it a lot. People, you know, ask on, you know, I, I was watching a, a news report in which they were asking Russian citizens on the street what they thought about this, and and it, there's a stark contrast. Some people are. Are I'm against the war, you know I don't believe in it, and then other people yeah. are, they're they, they say you know you know, they, they they either don't want to comment or it's you know, Putin knows what he's doing and I trust him, and mm-hmm. the the fear in their eyes is like it's palpable. You can tell that they don't that they're afraid mm-hmm. of saying the wrong thing. And being seen on TV, and it's like that's that's not that's that's just it's it's heartbreaking, really. You know, it's like that's no way to live. That's no way to live. Where you where you you know, for all the problems that the United States has and and other places in in the world, you know, we're open. I can I can criticize my leaders and not worry about being disappeared.
1: Yeah. And the funniest thing is, this episode, like all our other episodes, is also, uh, uh, well, in Yandex Uh Podcasts, hosted.
0: Well, (laughs) we hope it is. Uh, We hope it is. I mean, we may have just shot ourselves in the foot there. By, by by talking well, about. Well,
1: I, I never never wanted to make this uh, podcast too political. To there, no,
0: yeah, no, I don't. I try to stay away from politics as well. But there are certain things in which you know you it's it's kind of important to to take a stand and to have an opinion. And <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sit here.
1: We had the same situation once when we, when we spoke about Apple, and yeah. I was worried about becoming
0: delisted right. on iTunes. Right. But like, you know, I don't want to, you know, sit here and, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're fairly flippant and, and, you know, we're having a good time talking about retro stuff and, you know, you know, game music and, and stuff and demos and things like that. But, you know, people are dying in the real world. And that's not something that, Mm, you know, I, I, it's, it's, I think, I feel like it's important for people to understand that that yeah we know and it it's we it's not that we we do care we we do it does it does affect us and it does you know it it is important to us you know and it's also important to us that we kind of keep this going and keep doing what we're doing and provide some kind of entertainment even though you know the world is falling apart around us
1: Mm. so it's good that Everything we did relate to Russia, like
0: our interview, is already passed. Yeah, it's, it's good that we already talked to Yandex, because, because now I, yeah, be yeah I don't know if we'd be able to do that, yeah. 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 Yeah, now we'd be like, so, the Ukraine, and they just hang up on us instantly. Actually, I'm sorry, we'd be like, so, Ukraine, and then they'd hang up on us immediately. Yeah.
1: <sighs> i I really I really doubt that they will ever notice that we spoke about this in the new section., eh,
0: you never know, you never know. We hope not, but you know it doesn't but ultimately it doesn't matter. you know you know what if 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 Russia bans us from the country because we voiced an opinion then 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 fuck 'em. I don't care, you know like that's 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 how I feel about that mm. and again. It's not the it's not the Russian people that that are responsible for any of this, and you know, granted, there. If we get banned from Russia, it's the Russian people that aren't going to be able to hear us, because I doubt that the Russian oligarchs and Vladimir Putin are spending too much time listening to the Scene World podcast. But but if you you know if you do if you are from Russia and you happen to be listening to this, sir. You know um VPNs are a thing that exists and lets you get around um get your it lets you get around certain things like <laughs> like you know countrywide bands
1: yes and well I can also say that I figured out like a few weeks
0: ago that and for that are... for that reason our new sponsor express VPN no that's, that's just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> or tan bear yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no but i can say that um now google project shield is also working in china mm-hmm. that's news
0: yeah that is news
1: because when we started using that um we weren't reachable via china anymore yeah now that is fixed
0: right yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool so, yeah so yeah yeah so, now that we've come now that we've dragged this to a to a screeching halt with the sadness of what is the conflict in Ukraine let's let's, let's yeah let's, yeah, let's yeah. bring this back up to let's make this make this entertaining again and and mm-hmm. and talk to uh Polaria about what she's doing nice yes okay
1: so <clears throat> We have another podcast episode today and again another guest. But I also have this time some co moderators. Dennis he's returning because yes. he is our music expert for console music. And Shay. Oh, cool. Yep. And and me
0: Jörg. I'm not I'm and, not an expert, I'm just a drummer.
1: Right. <laughs> anyway. I I, I can I can only tram on on my table that's the only yeah, music yeah, skill yeah. I have. Anyway, so as a guest today, we have Polaria Pion who Hi. is basically known for um, composing music on the Sega Master System slash the Game Gear. So, hello Polaria. Nice to have Hi. you. Hi. It's great to be out here. <laughs> great. Yes, well, um you haven't been on much interviews in the past. I've seen there was one like earlier this year on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one with uh, 3X Blast, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, nice to have you here. Well, as always, we start with our guests in, in that we ask, how did you get involved in retro and finally making music for? Master System slash Game Gear. How did it start? What was your first touching point? Well,
2: um, the thing is, like, the Master System has always been a console I really like. It's kind of like my favorite. And um, I, I actually did, did some other sound tests before I started doing that. I did some uh, Nintendo stuff, but once I found out there are actually tools you could use to make like Master System sort of uh, stuff, I was like, wow! Like, I have to do this now. So I just started doing that, and I guess I just got really good. At it. <laughs> And um what did you do first? I mean
1: did you did you get your first console uh, um as a birthday gift or how did it start for you?
2: Um I actually uh, got a Master System when I was like 16. I was kind I, I was kind of like looking at some of the older Sega stuff because that's what I was interested in at the, the time. I just ended up really liking it. That means as a child you
1: have been in touch with the Master System when it was already retro kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. What was the decision-making that you said you want to make music for for video games?
2: Um, well, I always kind of liked music in general. I always wanted to make music. And I also really liked sort of retro video games. So that was kind of like the a, a logical conclusion, I guess. I should make chip soon. So since
1: when are you making chip music?
2: Oh, when did I start? Yes. Uh, it was probably... I think I first started making stuff when I was 13, but I didn't get serious about it until I was like 16, I think. So let's let's talk about
1: what's actually your process of making music. I mean, I saw on Twitter, for example, that you are even doing music on commission. So yeah, yes, you I are do. kind of taking it, it as a professional touch, not just as a hobby
2: in a way. Yeah, I mean, it is my main source of income. So, yeah, I, I, do, th- I do do it professionally. Um, I, I guess my process is sort of whatever happens. I mean, sometimes I write stuff on a, on a keyboard, and other times I just, like, come up with stuff in my head. It really just it kind of depends on how I'm feeling at hmm. the Ah, so, so,
1: so, so that means you are not composing on the master system directly, but, as I said, first on a keyboard, on a piano uh,
2: Uh, Yeah, I write it out first and then I like convert it into something that the master system can recognize. I actually like do some stuff on the tracker and uh, stuff like that, yes.
3: So Polaria, do you use um, Mask for your tracking purposes
2: or...? Uh, It really depends. I mean, so mostly I do use Mask when it's like for like homebrew stuff, but sometimes I like to do like Snaven Tracker which is another tracker when I'm doing more like a, a sort of like fan game stuff. I mean, that's always pretty fun to do. Interesting. Cool.
1: I, I mean, I'm not an expert, but um, perhaps, perhaps Dennis can back me up. Is that just my impression, or is the Master System a system um, that not many people nowadays make music
2: on? No, you're right. And the, the reason for that is, is because it's, pro- it's a very difficult sound chip to actually make music for. It's very limited, like even for its time. Like it's very difficult to actually make anything sound good on it.
3: Indeed. Indeed.
0: And yet, so, it was always one of my favorite sound chips. Like I love the way the is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I,
3: I like it too. I think it's a very cool sound. It's only it's only a PSG sound chip,
2: right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It has like three square waves, and it has like a noise no, channel. No samples, no. Uh... No, no, no samples. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It makes it pretty difficult, of course. But, yeah, um, yeah. You, you, uh. Are... What is your way of dealing with these limitations when you're writing music? Do you write music do you, do you use chords? Do you uh, use mono sound melodies? Uh, or how, how do you deal with these limitations?:
2: um, well, I, I, the thing is I've gotten to a point where I've made music on it so much I don't really think about it anymore, so I honestly couldn't tell you how I do it. It just sort of comes naturally at this point.
0: Well, that's what happens, you know you get used to
2: yeah.
0: you get used to doing it, yeah.
1: Well, well, I find it interesting that somebody focuses on, on, a, on a platform that nowadays in the retro community not many people focus on. But I see, as I said, it was your first console as a child. I see that's also like you are emotionally connected to the master system. And that is probably why it was also your first choice of making music on, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well,
2: it wasn't my first console. I mean, I didn't have consoles before, but that was like the first console I really gravita- gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely took a lot of interest in it. And and how is it
1: compared to the um, to the Game Gear? I mean, as far as I know, it's about, the same. People basically say it's the same. They're the same
0: thing, aren't they?
2: Uh, They're pretty much the same. The only difference is that Game Gear has hard painting stereo. That's pretty much it. Oh, uh, that's interesting. I I,
1: I always thought that only the amount of color is different. Okay.
0: The amount of color? What? Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh,
2: yeah. Um, Game Gear has like a a ridiculous amount of colors compared to to, to a lot of consoles at the time. It was like 12,000 or something if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, that is basically
1: why you can buy an adapter and play Master System games on the Game Gear, but not the other way around. Oh,
0: okay.
2: Yeah, because like, the Master System only has like 64 colors, if I remember correctly. It's like it, it's a very stark comparison. Hmm.
1: Exactly. And now, if I, understood, if I understood you correctly, you say that the Master System has mono and the Game Gear has stereo, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, yes.
0: Fascinating. Well that's so, so, you know, yeah, well that was a big thing with the with the handhelds because um, the original Game Boy was stereo as well. Yes,
2: yeah, yes yeah, it
1: was. So so I mean as an expert, how do you make sure that if you have a piece of music made for the game gear, properly you don't, but how how does it transform if you have if you have a um, music piece made for the Game Gear, it probably sounds different on the Master System because you, you, you only have mono, not stereo. I guess it's kind of mixing um, the two sound channels together.
2: If you don't use stereo, then it sounds exactly the same. But if you're designing something specifically for stereo on the Game Gear, then yeah, it's not going to sound quite as good on a mixing level at least.
3: So do you use a lot of stereo effects or do you prefer to write your music in mono
2: or...? I prefer to write
3: stuff in mono, but if stereo is an option, I do like to utilize it. Yeah, I see.
2: Okay. I mean, I mean, if I look, if you look on your
1: SoundCloud, the thing is, you are really melodic. So you are not kind of doing the techno stuff or something. At least that's what what I'm gathering. You are more a composer making melodic sounds.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's true. Yeah.
1: Well, especially the pieces I liked is um, Burning Force
2: and Damon. Oh, Soul. Yeah. Oh yeah, those are really fun to work on. I think I oh um I did one of those for Two Minds, like uh, Ichigo, if you know who he is. Like he oh. does a lot of like matches and homebrew stuff. Ah,
1: okay, okay. You, you said you said earlier that you are doing this for a living. Is does that really give enough income? I mean. I mean, there are other people who who did it for a living. I mean, Dennis, for example, he's doing it for a living. But um, but there were others like Tron Tronimal, for example, who is a known uh, Game Boy composer, and he kind of stopped it because he said, when I interviewed him, that it didn't give enough sh- enough income. So. I don't know what's what's your what's your difference. Why are you successful with it
2: compared to others who tried? Probably because it's a very niche thing that not a lot of people are doing. So there's kind of a market for it because there are a lot of people making like games here and master system homebrew stuff, but there's not a lot of people who can actually make music for it.
3: That's pretty cool. So um, yeah, I found it also very, very unique and very. Um, Interesting to see that there are musicians for these platforms too, and um, there's actually not a lot of homebrew games um, for these systems too. Um, It's very good to see that that the amount of homebrew games increases in the future, and um, so always good to see new stuff on common systems.
2: (laughs) I mean, Uh, yeah, yeah,
3: of course.
1: I mean, I mean, what's I mean, is there any? Is there any past project you can talk about? I mean something that yeah
2: like you enjoyed the most? Honestly, I, I have fun doing everything. So it's kinda like hard for me to like say like which one I enjoy doing the most because it was all very fun. I always like like writing stuff for people. But um I, I think whenever I do stuff for Ishiko, that's always really fun. Like, Because uh, he gives you a lot of freedom in particular, so that's always a really fun thing
1: to do. I mean, I, I can only think back of when, when we interviewed other people, and, and some composers we spoke to uh, were like, oh, when, when I listened back, I didn't have enough time, and and with the knowledge I have now, I would do it different. So you, you, you never had this feeling that you would like to go back and make um, a music piece different
2: nowadays? Well, the thing is, it's really hard for me to imagine myself doing that because it's kind of like it already happened. If that makes sense, like there definitely have been one or two instances I think where I, I did not have enough time, and I probably would have liked to redo some stuff. But I mean, the game's already out, so it's like kind of like I don't know. I, it wouldn't feel right if that makes sense.
1: You, you you said you also said you like to work with people who give you enough freedom. So. um is it usually like they they give you a specific theme you have to compose
2: after? Um, usually they'll give me a particular idea or sound they want, and I'll try to follow that. But I usually have the most fun when people tell me, like, oh, just do whatever you want. I don't really care. That's the best for
3: every musician. I think musicians, um, it's really bad to put pressure on a musician and um, give him some... Um, some too strict rules. I think that totally kills the creativity and um, creative freedom is, is always good in such situations. Yeah, yeah I
2: agree. I absolutely agree.
3: Totally. Totally. So, uh, did you ever think about um, putting out your music on actual cartridges? I don't know if there are any cartridge releases for for the game gear uh, of, of music albums for the game gear or the master system. Did you ever think about putting out your music on a cartridge, maybe?
2: Um, There have been actually talks with developers I've worked with in the past that wanted to do something like that, but it just never worked out because it'd just be kind of expensive. And I don't know if there would be a market for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think well, there is a
3: good market for cartridge music releases.
0: <laughs> and, um, so it's the guy that I does think cartridge it, it, music releases, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, well, well, um, I think, um, there would be absolutely a good market for a Master System or Game Gear cartridge music album, and uh, I definitely encourage you to do it because, um, you make awesome music, and, um, on a cartridge, it would be the bomb, I think. And, um, oh, thank you, it. yeah, I have to consider yeah.
1: What many people don't uh, don't consider is there, there is a market where there are still new uh, master systems being produced. TechToy, for example, we interviewed in our podcast as well. And they are doing new models um, for the, well, they say for the poor fa- favela families. But in reality, the there's a families? huge fa- favela, you know.
0: No, I don't favela.
1: know. Oh, that's that's the um, slums you would say in English. Oh, okay. Slum places, but but anyway, it turned out that even even among the you know middle income class in Brazil, there are a lot of retro collectors. So basically, when when you buy something from uh, from Brazil, they make it like three times more expensive because it's from Brazil. So I think if you branch out. Also to to niche markets like Brazil, you would you would be able to sell a lot of copies if the price is right. I mean, of course, it has to it has to be on a price point where people can afford it in a certain region. But oh yeah then, yeah of course of course yeah. yeah. But, but then is is right here, especially especially if you are selling in a country like Brazil where there are new me- uh, new master systems being produced. So people, don't rely on the second-hand market only.
2: Oh, yeah, that's actually something I wanted to ask about. Like, if these, like, new master systems, like, have, like, cartridge slots, because, like, I think a lot, from what I've read, a lot of the new tech foot stuff are just, like, sort of, like, built-in games. Like, is that still the case? It depends it depends on the
1: console um the uh, ma- uh, the Mega Drive for example that can also run Master System games because they're an adapter for it um those are they call it ma- um they call it Mega Drive 2017 limited edition and they come with a cartridge port so Oh that's really cool and it actually interestingly when we interviewed um the founder of TechToy, he said that people went mad on him because it was a limited edition. So the limited edition actually became an unlimited edition. <laughs> that, that's really funny. So, um, so you can still you can still buy it nowadays from their homepage, you know. Oh, that's, that's really cool. There's definitely a market. I mean, I mean most people have an adapter to, to play the Master system games on the um, on the Mega Drive.
3: I have. At least. Yeah. I would instantly buy a master system album. Oh absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> instantly.
1: Oh, you <laughs> so the so, see, it, to album.
3: Do
1: so <laughs> see you already have some customers here, just in case. Yeah. 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 Well um well I <laughs> <laughs> I mean Dennis help me. I'm not an expert in music. I mean what what else could we
3: talk about? I think um again it's pretty interesting that you're doing stuff for the master system and um as far as I know, the Mega Drive has a kind of built-in Master System sound chip. Is it right? Uh,
2: yeah. Yes, it does. Um, actually, all the, the entire Master System console is actually built into the Genesis, just so yeah, it can backwards yeah, play yeah, games.
3: Indeed, indeed, indeed. Really? So um, I wonder, did you did you ever try to make music for the Mega Drive also, or do you stick to Master System or?
2: Uh, I have made one or two Genesis uh, tracks, but I didn't quite have as much as fun as I would uh, doing Master System it's kinda yeah, like when I was doing the master System.
3: I see. So you're definitely sticking to Master System, and um, that's your thing, yeah.
2: Um, I, well, I, I can do. I do a lot of other sound chips as well, but like whatever people do approach me, it's usually about the Master System stuff because that's kind of what I'm known for.
0: Have you tried any SID stuff?
2: I did once, but the emulation was really not that good on Deafle Mask. I'm really wanting to try it on Furnace Tracker. If you've heard about that, that's true. Sit simulation,
1: uh, you you can uh, you can argue with me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very picky when it comes to when when it comes to emulation. Um, but yes, um, to to refer back to Dennis, yes, actually, um, from what I know, the adapter for um playing master systems games on the on the Game Gear or Genesis as it's called in USA, it's just a pin adapter. It's just a piece of plastic actually. I
2: yeah, know. that's actually that's absolutely
1: true. It's just a pass through. <laughs> yes. Yes. And um and the reason why 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 some games like um, Batman on the Master System are such such high praised games is that there are not many games on the um, on the Mega Drive or Genesis, that use the Master System sound chip for the Mega Drive music as well. So there are some games, like a couple, that use both sound chips inside. You can do that? Yeah, you can do that, actually. Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. it was much more of a common for Japanese composers to do that, but uh, European and uh, American composers really did not make a lot of use out of PSG at all. I guess they just didn't like, like it that much.
1: Oh. For 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 example, for example, um, last year when I interviewed Tommy Tilrico, I asked him why you never did that, and he said like, "Oh, I did! Oh, I did! Totally, I did!" <laughs> so so sometimes it's just not known, but um, there are players on the PC where you can just enable or disable certain sound channels, and then you can hear who which composer is using the Master System sound chip as well, or
0: or. Who isn't? So um, was he telling the truth? Pardon? Was he telling the truth?
1: I didn't try with this Nah, nah. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Um, but um, yeah, that's actually actually the thing. Do so so basically, so, so basically, so basically, if you, so basically, if you do if you do um a master system game, you can basically play it on three consoles, the master system itself, the Game Gear and the Mega Drive, which is totally, totally weird yeah. in a way, you know. Um, that's
3: a big that's a big market though. It is it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's true there are not many, many um, many games for this console compared to Game Boy games or or so. So
0: still still has to grow in a way. I always preferred the Sega Master System over the Nintendo. I don't know why. Um,
2: I I think it's a very hard comparison to make. Because, like, the the, the thing is, the library of the NES is so much bigger than the Master System. There's, like, a thousand games, whereas the Master System only has 300. So Mm -hmm. it's almost not even fair to compare them to the (laughs) other.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, well, I, I mean, I can say from a German standpoint... At my at my childhood, the decision was Sega stuff, two times more expensive. Really? Yes, here in Germany, I remember it. Um, I am somebody at school had a, had a Game Gear. And, and everybody else had a had a, a game boy and I could get two game boy games for the price he got one game gear game oh, see, I was see, like oh my god we never indeed, we, indeed, we never thought yeah. about that
0: because when I was a kid we had you know I had the c64 a friend of mine had a Nintendo and the, another friend had a, a Sega master System so it was like you know who's you know whose house do we want to torture ourselves at so you know <laughs> it was kind of you know, I I didn't buy any Sega stuff because I didn't have the Master System. You know, my friend did.
2: Mm.
1: No, here, here at least in Germany, I can't speak for other countries in Europe, but here in Germany, Sega was for the rich kids.
3: Oh.
0: Yeah, he was oh, a rich the... he was a rich kid, so that does make <laughs> but, sense.
3: Uh, but wait, wait! I remember the Master System was um, wasn't a big success in in Germany, and I remember I got it as a kid for. For hundred Deutschmark in a, in a kind of sale in, in a Carstadt, it, It's a very popular um, um, sales sales brand here, and um, so actually this, this is my Master System story. I just got it because it was so cheap, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I yeah. couldn't afford a Mega Drive, and uh, so um, I bought like like a Master System when after I sold. Um, four or five NES games on a flea market. Oh wow. <laughs> and then I was able to buy a Master system and um You know, come to think of it, m- my
0: rich friend that had the master system, I think he only had two games because I only ever remember playing Space Harrier and freaking Fantasy Zone, which was infuriating. <laughs> or and, and and the snail in the maze game you get when you turn it on without a cartridge.
2: Ah. Ah
3: there are also three D glasses for the for the mass system, right?
2: Yeah. 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 Oh yeah they were. they were
3: here's the it. thing here's the
1: thing um, I have one of those rare pile units that have the game missing
0: the snail game? I, I, yes
2: I, I, didn't oh, even, man. I didn't even know that was a thing yeah yeah <laughs> if, if
0: you start up the master system without a game in it it'll it'll do like the Sega thing and then like you'll, you'll just have like this really cheap little game it's just your snail going through a maze and it was like I know that was my favorite game on the thing I know. I like can spend and, hours and, doing and, that.
1: And there are a few – Here's a, the story was I was unemployed at the time At the time, and my friend Boris Kressinger, he was like, hey, I have a spare one. Do you want to have it? And then let's turn it on and see if it works. And they're like, oh, my God, it's one of those rare Paul ones that don't have the game in it. But never mind. I promised it to you. So here you have it. So,
0: oh, so you got a <laughs> This is how I got one.
1: it. Got it for free. Yeah. That was the first time in my life I got something for free that was rare.
0: Well. Nice no, um, nice. Rare and, and I was lacking oh, yeah. the best part of it.
1: And here's the oh, bummer. Here's yeah. the bummer. It's also it's also the only version of the master system that's incompatible with tech toy games.
0: Oh great! You got a real deal oh, there. Man. I
2: actually remember reading about that on SS Power. There was some weird iteration of the Master System that couldn't play like tech toy games. It was like the first uh, version of it or something.
1: Exactly, and I got it. So I actually had to buy an adapter to buy to play the Master System tech toy games on the Mega Drive because my my Mega Drive version is one of those iterations that you doesn't play tech toy games and doesn't. Doesn't have the game. Yeah, you,
0: you got a real deal there, man.
1: <laughs> Pretty cool. But I, I, got it for free, so yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Well,
0: that that you now you know why you got it for free.
3: <laughs> so, so, so Polaria, are you also a game collector? I wonder. oh uh, yes, I I do actually collect for a lot of different systems. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you what do you think about the? price explosion in uh. the retro game market it's it's ridiculous isn't it uh um, yeah I, i've honestly found it very
2: infuriating because i remember back when i was collecting all like all the master system stuff you could get complete in-box games for like 20 dollars, and you just can't do that anymore yeah yeah
3: yeah i think especially for sega games the market just went totally nuts in the last couple of years and um uh, here in Germany like Mega Drive games are getting ridiculously expensive and um I don't know this is probably the best um investment opportunity for some investors or
2: so. <laughs> well I, I could never sell my games
3: because I, I like
1: having them too much. I'm the same. I would rather <laughs> sell a liver than yeah. s- than selling my games. Same with yeah. me, same with me. Yeah same with me. But but um But I I made this great investment once that I bought Assess, the most rarest um, Game Boy game, four weeks before the pandemic happened, and then the price quadrupled. And like, wow, that was a a good investment. Um, Yeah, but but basically, um, I also... It's also, It's only
0: a good investment if you sell it again while the price is still high. Once the pandemic is over and the prices drop again. No, That no, investment no. is no longer any really good. In,
1: in the last 12 years, the tri- prices never dropped. Ah. I've never seen the retro prices dropping at any point.
2: No, I, I agree with that. I've never really seen games drop in price either. I feel like they've only like, steadily increased.
1: Ex- exactly. Exactly, you know. Yeah.
3: I'm, I mean, Forget
1: hey. Forget the
3: share market. Buy retro games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. No? but but here's the thing. Um, my my point is, I don't know if you guys agree, but my point is that why should I? Why should I stop collecting? Because old games are getting more expensive. Now that's that's leaving me more opportunity to buy new games. For example, games that have Polaria's music in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So just to make just to make a point here, so. If you if you can't if you can't buy the old games because they are getting more expensive, don't stop collecting, but rather support new absolutely. games that are going to be released. You know, absolutely. Yeah.
2: something I would I would recommend to a lot of people is just getting an Everdrive, but you can't even do that anymore. Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. Do you know like what happened to Chris? Like uh, they can't he can't produce um Mega, uh, anymore because he's in Ukraine. Indeed, oh, indeed, indeed, indeed. Oh, yeah.
1: okay.
3: Yeah. So sad to hear that he had to uh, kind of cancel his, all, his his whole business. And uh, I think he 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 fled from the Ukraine. Did he make it? Yeah, no. he's in he's in Spain right now, and he seems to be doing okay, which is good. Ah, yeah. Okay, that's good very to good. Hear that that he's he's okay, and um, but still pretty sad to hear that um, that he um, kind of isn't it able anymore to to make a, this business and um
2: yeah i i think the worst part about it is people are scalping ever drives for like thousands of dollars now i think that's especially kind of gross given the whole it's totally
3: crazy yeah it's so totally yeah. crazy <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, um well the same happened with the super cpu and other stuff that became rare so <clears throat> yeah well here here's the thing in my mind I don't separate people by location so I totally wasn't aware that he was in the Ukraine um, just Ukraine
0: not the Ukraine right right <clears throat> but yeah that's uh. Oof. well I mean that's our, it's, that's it's, our moment it's, of silence for the Ukraine right there for, for Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine right there Ugh.
3: yeah Sad story. Yeah. Indeed. And um especially I think Crix is, is is a guy who really um did so much for the retro gaming scene and um and that his um business ends so abruptly, it's 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 a tragedy, I think. Yeah. And um uh, yeah, I agree. just makes it even worse, everything. And um well really sad story. Yeah. Perhaps it's just
1: interrupted. Perhaps things resolve in a way. I, hopefully,
0: yeah. That's the uh, that's the, uh, the best-case scenario. Huh.
1: Yeah. But I wonder, is it really not the Ukraine? Because that's what we say in German.
0: No, it's just Ukraine. It yeah, was, it was... I,
2: I've actually known a lot of people who said the Ukraine whenever they were talking about it. Yeah, it used to so be the I Ukraine. Like
0: not... Yeah, when it was part of the, the Soviet Union, it was the Ukraine. But oh, okay, that's
2: fine, good. But now
0: apparently, it's like like uh, it's it's like considered an insult to say the Ukraine. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's just Ukraine.
2: Mm. Hmm. Been, I see. I've been I, corrected but...
0: several times about that. That's why I know this. Because I ah. keep I keep saying the Ukraine as well. They they didn't tell
1: me that at, at English lessons.
0: <laughs> well, probably because when you took English lessons, it was still the Ukraine.
1: <laughs> uh, no it was the 90s.
0: It was yeah. the 90s. Yeah. Yeah,
2: well.
1: Wasn't it 94 when they got separated?
2: I don't recall exactly. It, it was 90, 1990, wasn't it? I feel like it was like 90, 91. You see? So that was before I had English lessons. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Anyway, we 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 were not supposed to talk about um History, but anyway, it's um, <laughs> well. You know, this this Inevitable. just shows how much um, international the retro scene really became, where we have people from all all over the world, and suddenly you have a war in one situ- one situation, one part of the world, and then suddenly the source is well becoming dry because their current, um, the
0: current constitution, which call which which took the the out of Ukraine was june of 1996
3: 1996
1: okay yes okay
0: good to know now we learned something yeah yeah
3: <clears throat> anyway
0: yeah getting back to what we were talking about that is not political
1: yeah well we just derailed rail here
0: yeah um what else is new Wow! Well, I, mean, thoughts. <laughs> do you, do, I do, mean, do you need a moment? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I wonder how much time you spend uh, creating one track. Do you have kind of um, kind of um, time frame you can tell us, or is it is it always different from from song to song? Um.
2: It usually, I usually get a song done in three days. it
3: Usually, doesn't take me yeah. that long at all. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you you start and then it should be quickly done and um, because um, the faster the better. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, because I have so many. I, I do work for so many different people, and they're constantly like waiting for stuff. So I do have to get stuff done in a very quick time frame.
3: I see. I see. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: So so.
3: You basically
1: always have a flow of people who who request uh, music from you.
2: Yes, yes. Huh.
3: That's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty
1: cool. Interesting. Uh, are are those uh, contract works only for games? Because I wonder if there are really so many games being released that you have such an influx of orders.
2: Um. Yes, pretty much all games. There was, a, there was a couple of times where I did get some weird stuff like someone wanted me to do something for a video or something, but most of the time it is uh, just games.
3: Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, do you do you know the demo scene?
2: Yes, I do. I'm aware of the demo scene. I've always wanted to do some stuff for it, but no one's ever like uh, approached me on this stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, you really should get into it because I think um, there are indeed some some demos for the Game Gear also. I'm not sure, and um, we in Germany have um, every year the, the demo scene party revision where demos getting showed showed, and um, you really should uh, check it out because um, music for for Game Gear demos is is pretty rare, and um, I think your music would fit amazingly for some demos. And, um,
2: yeah, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank
3: you. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Check it out. You, you
3: mean you mean it would increase the quality of the demo? <laughs> yes. Totally, totally. I think good music makes it a good demo even better. And um, mm. um, this, this is the in- interesting thing about demos, that uh, they're a mix of, of various media artists, and um, everybody is doing... His best and um, it's a fascinating fascinating creative melting pot and
0: um, especially since it stopped being you know in the early days it was you know look at this cool effect in the music and graphics so didn't matter that much now it's become more of a more of a multimedia presentation where the graphics and the music and stuff really take you know they they they, they are more kind of important than the effect that you're looking at
3: yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah I mean that's the thing now that now that the uh, hardware is pushed to the limit so much there are not new world records anymore to achieve so people are more focusing on the um, piece of the uh, on
3: the art piece as a whole right you definitely should check it out I think there are many demo groups who would Love to have your music and. Um,
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I definitely love out. to get involved that stuff if people if people would message me about it.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Hey, dude, we could totally use her for some scene world stuff.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if 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 it trans if it um, transports well to the
0: sid, but. Well, I mean, again, you know, you know, she's dabbled in the sid, so if.
2: You know I mean it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, d- I've dabbled it a little bit, but I wouldn't say I'm good necessarily good at it. <laughs> There's so always hard. space to improve.
0: Yeah,
2: you
1: know? yeah, oh. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But at least, well, at least I, I, I can say for myself, I'm not creative at all. So I always admire people like yourself and Dennis who can create something, something nice. But, but perhaps. A, that is should put you in touch with some um, demo scene groups who need better music, <laughs>
3: which
0: are most of them. Uh,
3: <laughs> I, can, I can send you some some links to some interesting groups like for example Titan or you know, others from Germany that are pushing boundaries oh, yeah. with every demo. Th- that would,
2: yeah, that would be really cool if you could do
3: that. Yeah, I'm gonna, to get... I'm gonna send along some links and um, you're gonna check it out and the guys are all, all pretty cool and um. They would love to get in touch, and um, so just connect things and um, make the best out of it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah of, course, of course. I totally have to admit I never checked out Master System or Game Gear demos, yeah, so I feel vibe. like I
3: missed. Um, I missed out I, I've, on I've, on I've, YouTube seen, a, right I've now. seen a couple of them. There, like I've seen some good ones with uh, good music as well. Yeah, there are indeed some some interesting demos and. Um, i think the demos for for such uncommon systems are pretty cool because the people are pushing very pushing the limits there and um genesis project does awesome. them. yeah genesis project yeah yeah they're God, very good
0: i know them pretty good
1: hmm. it's the same group also active on the commodore 64 yeah. yeah ah hmm. yeah interesting
0: Oh, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> You're checking it right now. I am, I am looking at it right now. Yeah.
3: There are indeed some, some groups that are very focusing on retro systems and um, making amazing stuff. Uh, I'm very curious what they're going to put it up, put out on the upcoming revision party. I think it's in April, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes.
1: It, it's always on Easter, and Easter yeah, this year is yeah, April, so in April, so definitely.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always a pleasure to check out these demos, and um, looking very forward. I, I'm see, I'm seeing here we, we are getting Polaria
1: to be a demo singer musician after, yes, we're, after we're. this podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like,
2: yeah, it would be fun.
3: Check it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if that is true, but um, but I always heard that um. There should be more people working on demos, actually working on games, because um, the skills in music and, and graphics are so much better by the demo makers than by game makers. But I don't know, I don't know if that is, that that's actually true. Because, I mean, right now we have the other case. Polaria is doing music for games. Not for demos, and we are talking it the other way around, but uh, it depends so it I depends remember-
0: because a lot of musicians a lot of musicians and graphics guys are you know they they go straight from demo to to you know game you know there's a lot of that in between this um, whereas coding is you know the demo coder doesn't necessarily code a game, and so you get a different set of of variables mm. in that, so like the music is often. You know, I mean your own tell doing, you know, music for games and then demos and stuff. Exactly. You know? He
1: came he came from he came from the uh, from the game business right. and when 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 he finished with his last commercial official commercial C sixty four game, which was Lemmings, he became a composer for yeah. a demo scene. Right. So yeah. Actually um actually good example there.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think I think a lot of times though in the in the in the game scene there's more of a God. There were so many games where it's like you know, you know like Thundercats or something. You know where you load it up and it's like a RoboCop and it's like the music kicks on and it's like what the hell is this? Like it's good music, but it is not. It's not something that makes you think Thundercats or RoboCop. Ah, uh, you know,
2: ah. Uh. Well, I, I think it's a huge problem with Tim Fallon's music if uh, you, you're familiar with the stuff he did for the NES. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Because yeah. okay. like, if you ever heard a Pictionary soundtrack, it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like <laughs> very like insane, like very like rock and tune. And it's like for a game of Pictionary, it's like <laughs> like it's great <laughs> music, but it's like very unfitting for the game it's for. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but but
1: but for the uh, for the NES, for example, you have um, also. I guess for the Master System and for, for the Mega Drive, you have some some weird cases. For example, you mentioned, Jay, you mentioned Robocop. Mm-hmm. Robocop 3 is one of the most profilic game musics yes. that Yagontel ever did. Oh, no, it's, yes. a, it's, it's
0: a great song, but it doesn't yeah. make you think Robocop.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing here's the thing. I bought. I bought the Euro- European release of RoboCop, right? Yeah. And and Jeruntel is a Dutch guy. So you would think that the company made it right, right? So you have the Paul version of the game and the Paul song. Perfect. No, what they actually did is they 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 made they made they took the American version of RoboCop 3, which was the original release, called it in a playing routine that would speed up Pierre Runtel's tune so it would sound correctly on NTSC but for the Paul release they didn't undo the play, playing routine fix that means on the Paul release the tune is running too slow yeah mm. and and when you and when you put and I tried it when you put when you put in the cartridge of the U, uh, European release on an American uh, NES the game crashes because the graphic routines are fixed on the other timing. That doesn't work anymore. So the music plays right, but the game crashes in the middle. Yeah. So
2: this is actually yeah. reminds me of uh, the Commodore sixty four game system. If you guys know what that is. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes.
1: Yes, I have it too. Yeah, I have it too. Yeah. That's um. Oh, yeah. It's totally, totally weird to hire somebody from from Europe. Fix it for Americans and on the Paul release, not fix it. Like, it's yeah. totally, totally weird. So There was a game, had, too,
0: that, that where you had to hit a, hit a button to continue and there were no buttons on the thing.
2: That well, yeah, was it was originally designed for a keyboard. Right, but yeah. it's like They didn't actually take into account that you only had two buttons. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's
2: true. It's true.
1: Yeah. And the story goes so far that the GS actually sold so badly that um, they reused the GSs in real Commodore 64. And so um,
2: wow.
1: later on, they they turned into real Z64s. Really? that's actually that, what I heard. thought
2: the
0: board was slightly different.
1: I, I don't know. It's a rumor. I don't know what's true there, but...
2: Oh, I remember hearing that too, but something I do find kind of interesting is apparently the Commodore 64 GS is the worst selling console of all time.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it.
2: (laughs) So it only sold like 12,000 units or something. It's kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's other trash.
2: (laughs) And it's it's basically it was only sold uh,
1: in numbers in UK and Norway.
0: Okay, no, it is the same exact thing. It just doesn't have a keyboard header on it. You know, like there's no pins for the keyboard. Yeah. And it's still got a user port and a cassette port. They just there's just no access to them, right? And, so uh, and and yeah. and the cartridge port is is put at a ninety degree angle. So yeah. So and they recycled be, that. Yeah, they
1: recycled those machines and made out of them real Z sixty four. Yeah, it's a it's
0: a it's a twenty five twenty three eleven rev B. You now see, we're getting dorky here. Yeah.
1: We, we are we are nerding out together. It's a, it's,
0: it's a short board. It's a short board with with the ports blocked off. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true.
1: That's Alrighty. That's so um, magic. I mean, I mean, can we talk about your plans, Polaria? If you have any plans that you can talk about, that is not under NDA. If there is something, uh, probably nothing I can talk about now. Okay, that's not, that's nothing you can talk about. Yeah. Well yeah. um I mean I mean I don't I, I don't know if you wanna talk about that, but um when when Dennis actually Dennis had the idea to invite you, I think it was you Dennis because he said like, Oh that's awesome, somebody who who composes on the on Indeed. the master system. And so I'm glad I'm glad we are doing this interview now and everything yeah, turned yeah, out well. True, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> that's that's what I that's that is what I can say about it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: this is really fun. I'm definitely glad I got
1: to do this. Is there something um, you personally want to do next? I mean, the, apart from contract work, is there something you would
2: like to work on? Um, I've briefly considered doing an album but i don't know if it's like something i'd really want to do i feel like my place is really just doing video game music because that's just kind of like what i like to do if that makes sense
3: makes great sense i think it's pretty yeah yeah cool to
2: hear that uh, that you're so into it and uh,
3: i think uh, again it's it's a pretty unique thing that you're producing for these systems and uh so just keep up the good work and uh oh thank you yeah, i really
0: appreciate that. <laughs> yeah awesome so i guess uh where can people go to find out about what you're doing? And
2: uh, uh, de- definitely Twitter, because that's that's definitely where I post stuff about what I'm working on when I'm not um, making stupid tweets. Anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> already followed you.
2: <laughs> okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> and you're also on Bandcamp and SoundCloud.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's true. Although I haven't uploaded in either of those in quite a while. I should probably do that. Cool.
1: Perhaps you should. Perhaps you should. I mean, I reposted, I reposted and liked some of your some of your stuff on on SoundCloud. So. It's... Oh yeah, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I have to prepare for the interview, of course, but I was like, wow, this is really cool, you know? So, um, really, really awesome. I'm really into ship music. Um, oh uh,
2: so, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I think it's really cool. Really cool art form.
0: Yeah awesome awesome we will put links to everything in the podcast description so people can follow along and
1: <laughs> okay cool so thanks for sitting with us yes yeah of course
2: this is fun it's really fun
1: so yeah. i guess the next time we hear from you is probably the music in paprium on the on the game gear oh yeah yeah definitely definitely I, I ordered it already so I should get it.
2: <laughs>
1: and on a, on a personal on a personal um, uh, point uh, personal note I I I'm listening to your sound sampler that was put on SoundCloud constantly. It's it's really oh, awesome.
2: That's, that's, that's really flattering. Yeah people seem to really like that one.
1: Especially <laughs> your ren- your rendition of Trance. That's like oh
2: yeah, super awesome, super awesome. Yeah, I've actually I actually have all their songs done actually uh, for the game already. Wow. So I guess you'll have to like listen to uh, listen for them when they come out.
1: I I wish I wish I w- I could listen to trance, but I only have this little few seconds. I'm like oh my god, this is I, I'm constantly listening to it in a loop because that's like from 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 this sampler, that's like the best part of it. Just. Just telling you as a fan.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had to do some weird stuff to get that sound. Like, um, there's, like, some 50%, like, uh, there's some, like, 25% pulses going on, which is not normal for a master system, and then it briefly, like, phases into each other. It just gives it, It's a very unusual sound. Like, you'd never actually hear that in a commercial game. At least, like, all the systems were, like, relevant, yeah.
3: That's pretty interesting. So you're really, really pushing the PSG's chip to the max yeah
2: like, I, 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 I do I do all sorts of weird stuff like that is not very like common or well no knowledge when it comes to like yeah, yeah. That.
3: The, the PSG chip is burning while you're doing the music <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean I'm not sure if I
1: if I counted that correctly but I think the paprium soundtrack on the mega drive has like
2: 30 32 channels uh, yes, it does, which is way beyond what a Genesis could actually do. Like I've actually right. gotten the privilege of looking at the modules themselves, and they use some weird sound expansion. Like it's not like just a Genesis sound chip; it's some like sound chip they made exclusively for the game.
1: Right, right. So it's in, in, in especially impressive that you that you had a piece like <laughs> like trance. <coughs>
0: Breathe, breathe. Sorry.
1: Um that you have something like trans and still make it recognizable by um I don't know how many voices does the Game Gear has? Like three uh, it, has, it has it has
2: four yeah, it has three voices and it has the, the noise channel. So yeah, it is quite amazing that I was able to like get all those channels down to just four.
1: Awesome, yeah. Wow. So um the soundtrack will be totally stunning. Yeah. Once once the game is out. Uh, I, I
2: hope so. I certainly hope people like it. Because <laughs> I, I spent a lot of work on it. I definitely worked pretty hard on it. Mm. Awesome.
3: Awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Interesting. Well,
1: just wanted to say, because now that I have the chance to talk to you, I wanted to give you direct feedback to my opinion about the
2: soundtrack. <laughs> this is very flattering. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: I mean, I mean, I was thinking, who, who else could do it? And I'm like, there's nobody else who could do it like that, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty much the resident master system composer. Whenever people need music done for games, they kind of go to me. So awesome,
3: awesome, <laughs> cool, wonderful.
2: All right, well. well,
1: so that would be it, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is really fun. Yeah. Thanks for sitting with us. Yeah, of
0: course.
1: I learned a lot today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting stuff. Great work.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: So, well, so have a nice afternoon, I would say, right? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys too. Thank Uh, you. We'll let you know when we
1: release this, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Yeah. See
1: you. Yeah. Thank you very much.